Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sarah. And I'm Beth. We're lawyers, mothers, and co-hosts of the bipartisan podcast, Pantsuit Politics. We have more in common than divides us. In a world that defaults to false dichotomies, we explore the messiness of living wisely. The choices, trade-offs, priorities, and grace of living a nuanced life. Hello, everyone. Today on The Nuanced Life, we are going to commemorate treatment. Treatments of all kinds. Time is a treatment. A new baby is a treatment. And traditional medical treatment. So we're going to start with Julie, who wants to commemorate just having a totally meh birthday. Her 40th birthday was a huge event. She was in the middle of a stressful and anxious season in her life. She developed postpartum anxiety that had morphed into obsessive compulsive disorder. And last year, when she was both in talk therapy um, and other medical treatment, she took her first pill on her 40th birthday to treat this disorder. That pill has allowed her to do a lot better. She's sleeping better, socializing better, connecting with and enjoying her kids more. She says, as challenging as toddlers can be, I'm still sort of mad at myself for stressing so much during those precious days. Much of my OCD was focused on the child's health, so I'd lay awake at night listening for every cough when she was wheezy. I won't get those days back, but I'm working on forgiving myself for that. Anxiety and OCD are tricky little things. The attention to detail they bring out in me can have actually a lot of upside. I attest that it's part of what makes me good at my job. So it took me a long time to admit to the havoc they were wreaking on my family and my spirit. With her 41st birthday staring her down, Julie didn't want to do anything special. She worked from home and enjoyed the quiet. She went out to dinner somewhere casual near her home and made her own cake from a box mix with from scratch frosting which side note is an approach I, I approve of, the following weekend. She says, it feels fitting for 41, too. For 40, I did at least think about and honor how much wiser I am than I was in my 20s and all that. But 41 is just meh. I'm glad to be here and all and grateful for that. But I don't love the whole aging thing. I'm making peace with it, but don't feel a need to celebrate it too much, I guess. And the ordinariness, the lack of drama and excess worry on my end was just refreshing. I still worry more than average, probably, and I pay too close attention to my kids' health. Emails, warnings of outbreaks of illness at school or camp make my stomach clench in fear, but they no longer send my mind spiraling. I can move on and look at the next email in my inbox. Who knows how long I'll be on meds for OCD. Right now, I don't care. Life is hard enough in 2019 when you care about the world and marginalized people and your kids and the planet and, and, and. So for now, the fact that I can pause in the middle of wrangling a very spirited three-year-old who pushes all my buttons to briefly daydream about the fact that she is going to be a super interesting adult someday, and that I can go with my seven-year-old to a birthday party and make polite chit-chat with the other parents without letting their Martha Stewart for kids party planning stress me out, and the highlight of my own birthday was the handmade card from my kid where she used my full name. That is enough. 
I love this from Julie. This is such good timing because my church has a program called Parents' Night Out where you take your kids and the church gives you the gift of time. So you spend like 15, 20 minutes in a little lesson about parenting, and then your kids hang out for a couple hours while you get to go, well, we went out to eat into Lowe's because Chad and I are the most exciting humans on the planet. But at this parent's night out, the little 15 to 20 minute lesson was about birthdays and about birthdays as a spiritual practice. And I really think that the way Julie commemorated her birthday is very much in line with what we talked about, that the production of birthdays really get in the way of the actual reflection and celebration that you not only want to do for your kids, but model around your own birthday as well. I also want to say that tackling that particular type of anxiety is really something to be celebrated because to me, anxiety that is really triggered by health and by sickness and illness is like trying to tackle an addiction around eating. You can't avoid it. It's not like you can abstain from germs or illness. And so really going to therapy, working through that, dealing with it, taking medication, not letting that OCD wreak havoc on your life, really something to be celebrated. And a nice, beautiful, ordinary birthday seems like the perfect way to do it. Well, I think any place you can find a little bit more simplicity and calm helps with whatever kind of anxiety you're combating. And so to just say, I'm going to have a nice dinner not over the top. I'm going to make a cake for myself and be here recognizing that I'm not like stoked about getting older, but I'm also grateful for it. I just think that's that's beautiful and perfect. Can I tell you one of my favorite ideas from Parents Night Out for birthday celebrations? Mm-hmm. So our pastor suggested that you have a birthday plate and it's just a plate that you can like paint happy birthday on. And the only time it's used is on a birthday by the birthday person whether it is a two-year-old or a 70-year-old. And I just thought the idea of a birthday plate was like the easiest, best form of ritual I could possibly think of. I'm so excited to go buy a plate and paint it to be our birthday plate. I also will say that just in celebration of you do you, I also think it's perfectly acceptable to like blow off your 40th and then blow out your 41st. I like people who do that too, that are like, I will not fall for your arbitrary even-numbered milestone birthdays, and I will celebrate in a big way on whatever year I choose to celebrate that decade. Yeah, agreed. And I just, I love how Julie is like, look, life is hard. I'm not going to make it harder with my birthday stuff. I've been talking to my own brain a lot lately because I hear myself thinking things that are just like, that are just so unhelpful to me. So I've talked before about how I have this cabinet obsession. I open my cabinets and I fear that they are full of heavy things and it's all going to come crashing off the wall. And I don't know why I think about that so much and it causes me such duress. So I opened the cabinet last night and I go through my whole cabinet thing. And then I just thought to myself, Beth's brain, you are forgiven for having this completely irrational thought and for distrusting basic principles of physics. You're just forgiven for it. It's fine. And I felt a little bit better. I did not cure my cabinet anxiety, but I felt a little bit better. 
And I just feel like the more I talk back to myself when I worry about things like getting older or what's going on with the kids or whether things in my house are going to collapse, it helps me to just recognize that that's what I'm doing and put a different story in my own mind. And I think that is especially true when it comes to thinking about just kind of the arc of your life. I mean, I have thoughts sometimes like, oh my gosh, I'm almost 40. What have I accomplished? And I realize how silly that sounds. And so I just say like, it's okay, Beth's brain. Just take take a minute off. One of my most favorite sort of psychological treatments I've ever read about, and I think about it all the time, it's exactly what you just described, especially for OCD. They would scan a person's brain in the middle of an OCD flare-up. And you can see that specific part of the brain on the scan that lights up, and they give it to the person. And they say, okay, when you are having an intense moment of OCD and you want to, you know, scrub the or your hands or flip the light switch 16 times, whatever it is, look at this scan. This is this is the part of your brain lighting up. And there's it's like the third eye, right? Like mm-hmm. it's some sort of switch that gets flipped and the, the capacity to really specifically look at what your brain is doing as a third-party observer is an incredibly a powerful strategy, which I think is fascinating. One more thing I want to pull out of Julie's message is talking about the stress that can happen when you see other people's party planning. Because that is such a script-flipping observation. I think when you realize, now, you shouldn't not do your kid's party the way you want to because you're worried about other people. But you also shouldn't do your kid's party a way you don't want to because you're worried about other people. And this was a good reminder to me that it is a gift to have a low-key, simple birthday party to other parents. You know, when we take those steps to say, I'm not going to go down that road right now, It just says to other people, you have permission to not do that too, right? We can all be in it together not doing that. And if I have a year where I want to go all out, fine. But I don't have to do that every single time. And you don't have to do it either. And I'm not going to be looking down my nose at you if your treat bags don't knock my socks off. I was like really into over-the-top birthdays. I mean, Griffin's first birthday was pretty ridiculous. And I really loved it and enjoyed it. But I feel like that cultural trend kind of jumped the shark. Like, I don't see that content out there in the world like I used to. I do feel like in 2019, it's sort of like not a thing to have an over-the-top kid's birthday. I'm sure there are places in the world where that is, or in the United States, where that's still a big thing. But I sure as heck don't see it like I used to, even in my own community. I'm hoping all these sort of cultural trends are on the decline, especially now that we have an official person killed in a gender reveal party. Did you see this story? Yes, I did. What are we doing, America? Stop. Okay, that's good. That We have lost a life due to a gender reveal party. We can all stop doing that now. I think that is official cultural signal that we should maybe just not do that anymore. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break and we'll come right back. Do you know what's in your deodorant? I didn't. And then I looked it up. Most deodorants we use every day contain aluminum, parabens, and other harmful products that have been linked to cancer. Hug Me Deodorant by Bloom is all natural, safe, and sustainable. And it works. Bloom cares about what we put into our bodies, and we should too. 
How does it work? Hug Me Deodorant by Bloom, that's B-L-U-M-E, is made with probiotics. The probiotics encourage your body to make more good bacteria, and as a result, your body produces less bad bacteria, so B.O. doesn't exist. Mainstream antiperspirants contain aluminum, which gets absorbed into our bloodstream and has been linked to cancer. Hug Me Deodorant is safe and sustainable. It's rated the best deodorant ever by New York Post. Try Hug Me risk-free, 30-day satisfaction guarantee, or your money back. Hug Me by Bloom keeps you feeling fresh and super huggable. Right now, our listeners will get 25% off their first stick and free shipping when you go to bloom.com slash nuanced. That's bloom.com slash nuanced for 25% off your first stick and free shipping. If you don't love it and feel amazing when you wear it, return it for a full refund. No questions asked. That's Bloom, B-L-U-M-E dot com slash nuanced, N-U-A-N-C-E-D. So following Julie's commemoration about the importance of treatment and medication in her life, Sierra wanted to commemorate her one-year medication anniversary. Last year, she wrote to us to commemorate beginning antidepressants. She says, I was very lucky in that the first med and dose I tried worked wonderfully and immediately for me. My friends and family noticed these changes in me right away and celebrated alongside me at the appearance of my truest self, which had been hidden for so long behind the mental illness. This is not to say that I completely changed as a person because of this little pill. I still go to therapy to work on issues and develop healthy habits for dealing with my mental illness because some days it still pushes me back into that former unhappy self. The medicine did, however, allow certain parts of my personality to finally take up space in place of the melancholy which had overpowered them for so long. Before taking an antidepressant, I didn't know that people could just be happy for no reason. But now that the cloud of anxiety and depression has lifted I am proud to say that I am truly a happy person, which I didn't think was a possibility. Once I started the antidepressant, I became able to appreciate my loved ones more deeply, develop a real love for myself, and enjoy the ups and downs of life in a healthy way. A few weeks after this change, on the day after my 21st birthday, I found a three-week-old kitten in the middle of the road. I took her home with me, and I truly believe that my immediate love for this kitten was only possible because my antidepressant allowed me to hold space for joy. This may sound silly, but I think that the universe was celebrating my newfound happiness by providing me with someone to pour my love into. I am happy, healthy, and still growing, all thanks to a decision last year to recognize that I needed help. Thank you for providing space to commemorate moments in life which are often complicated and taboo. Though I talk about being on an antidepressant often, I am not sure that many people see it as a reason for celebration. I'm going to spend my meds anniversary reflecting on the past year and giving thanks to my last year me, who took a chance on an antidepressant because she so desperately needed a change. You know, I think what Sierra so beautifully articulates here is that we don't have to be for or against medication. I think sometimes, especially around depression, it feels like you have to be a person who says therapy is really important or medications are really important, but not both. And that if you trumpet one, it's like you're doing so at the expense of the other. And I love how she talks about weaving together a treatment plan that works for her 
and that has components of medication and components of talking therapy and components of a kitten that came to be helpful to her, you know, and components of all the people in her life who love her. And I think that is a truly healthy understanding of the challenges our bodies present to us and how we might bring the best resources available to meeting those challenges. There's no way to talk about antidepressants without feeling like you have to make some, you know, grand stance. And, you know, when we're talking about one individual's experience and they're celebrating what they feel like, I mean, I love where she says it just lifted the melancholy and and allowed space in my life for other emotions. And, you know, when you're just talking about someone's experience with these things, I think we have to allow space for that. It's not, you know, you're not a I'm not a psychological medical researcher. I don't have to come to some scientific conclusion about all antidepressants for all people. I think the only thing we can all conclude is that it is really complicated and we're still learning so, so much about the human mind and about antidepressants and about how all these things work together. But in when learning that and talking about that, we have to allow room for positive experiences and negative experiences with antidepressants. When we were visiting Abilene Christian University this past week, we were having a conversation with students about just the way they hold on to important values to them and also learn more about the world. And we said something like, We just don't want to ever be afraid of new information. We want to be confident enough in our values and flexible enough in our understanding of how those values interact with the rest of the world to be willing to learn something new. And I feel like we have in in your lifetime and mine, Sarah, learned so much new information about our own brains. And I can't even imagine what we have yet to learn about our own brains in my lifetime and our kids' lifetimes. And I just don't want to be afraid of any of that, even though it's hard to take in. It is hard to think about your mind as something that needs medication or treatment or therapy, or even that observation that we talked about in connection with Julie's commemoration. But I don't want to fear any of that learning either. And my life is better for a lot of that learning. And I'm so happy that Sierra's is too. For someone to be able to say, I didn't think it was possible to baseline be a happy person, and now she is baseline a happy person. Don't we want that for each other, whatever it requires? Absolutely. So we commemorate you, Sierra. We're so happy for your anniversary and that you found space for life and happiness and lightness and a new kitten. We will be right back after this short message from our sponsor. Did you know that the first thousand days from conception until age two has been identified by scientists as the most important period of a human's life for nutrition? And yet all the baby food pouches you see at the grocery store are shelf-stable, highly processed, and full of sugar, which is why when my kids were little, I was obsessive about making all their own baby food. Every Sunday, my kitchen turned into a baby food factory. And I am happy that I made those choices, but there is a better way now. What you feed your baby when they first start solids affects their palate, health, and well-being for the rest of their life. We're all looking for convenient hacks and shortcuts that give us time back, but you shouldn't have to sacrifice on quality, especially when it comes to our kids. Yumi is a new brand that offers parents a better option. 
fresh, nutrient-dense superfoods for your baby that are made with clean ingredients and shipped right to your doorstep every week. As a busy parent, we all know how hard it can be to find time to cook every meal. So Yumi is a worry-free option that helps make mealtime just a little bit easier. And it's delicious and colorful and wide-ranging. And even my four-year-old loved the samples that we tried of it. So I really wish it had been around when she was a little one. Head to helloyumi.com and enter promo code LIFE for $60 off your first month of Yumi. That's helloyumi. H-E-L-L-O-Y-U-M-I dot com and in our promo code LIFE. Today, Kelly is commemorating treatment of another kind. She wanted a big family and had two boys in her first three years of marriage. And after her second was born, she was able to stay home and she wanted to enjoy it so badly, but she felt exhausted, irritable, angry, and resentful, despite having everything she thought she had dreamed of for so long. Finally, her doctor and her came up with some natural treatments and techniques to help anticipate and cope with her monthly dysphoria, with the plan to begin antidepressants a few months later if she felt like she needed it. And the remedies offered tremendous relief. But before the follow-up appointment rolled around, She found herself unexpectedly pregnant. She says, I was angry. I wanted more babies, but not yet. Not after all that. I was finally feeling like myself. I was finally feeling like a decent wife and mother. I had no desire to start it all over again. I had to talk myself into believing that God had a good reason for this, even if I could not see it. The irony of this pregnancy is that I actually felt much better emotionally. My out-of-whack body and hormones were now doing what they did very well, making a baby. My back ached and my ligaments hated me, but my mind was less foggy and I was much kinder to my children. My husband often commented on how much better I at least looked like I felt. Just before baby three was born, my two-and-a-half-year-old decided to stop sleeping through the night again, and my four-year-old seemed to forget we had rules in our house. I confessed to my best friend just days before my due date that I wasn't sure I'd be able to do this with a newborn. I couldn't handle another person needing me all day and all night. I didn't want to hear another voice screaming, even a newborn's. I was surely going to go out of my mind. I was going to drown. Would anybody survive my postpartum insanity? And then he arrived, and he was perfect. The birth was quick and natural, and there were no labor hiccups. In those 24 hours of relative quiet in the hospital, I noticed that I was somehow not as worried about taking him home to the madhouse of boys as I had just been the day before. And even in the first week at home, I recognized that this, this is what it feels like to enjoy holding your newborn without anxiety. This is the precious time everyone talks about that I never really fully felt. This is what it feels like to parent without wanting to cry or panic every time baby doesn't do what all the books say he should do or explode with rage when the toddler melts into a puddle because they both want the blue bowl or they still don't have their shoes on. This is how it's supposed to be. Hard but manageable, loud but memorable, messy but beautiful. This is what it feels like to give myself and my family grace. This is motherhood. That is motherhood. (laughs) It makes me a little bit emotional because it's such a good description of what it's like, you know, that it is a mess and it is a gorgeous mess and we work our way through it. And I can't imagine what it must have been like to have that pregnancy right when Kelly started to feel like 
I'm organized as a full human person again instead of just a mom. And I love that she found her way through it and has felt good and felt really present for it and not had her body kind of stacking the deck against her in the process. It's just so interesting. I think there is a part of us that wants to think our bodies handle each pregnancy the same way. Like, if you're a good pregnant person, you're a good pregnant person. If you don't have postpartum depression, you don't have postpartum depression. If you don't have, you know, partum depression, you don't have partum depression. And the hard reality is that just like the babies these pregnancies produce, everyone is so different. And, you know, if you have a good first experience, you know, I had a amazing first experience. Mine got harder. You know how they say you have more kids and you sort of have this the experience that she had, which is you kind of just come around and you adjust and, and it gets easier. Although she does report that her sister was diagnosed with the same problem after her fourth baby, which does seem a little crazy. But, you know, mine got harder. My first birth and pregnancy and newborn and everything was just a dream. And they got harder every single time. My third birth, I had postpartum eclampsia, which I did not even know was a thing. And I was very angry because the baby was on the outside. So why was I still having problems? I had some postpartum depression after my second child. It's just, you know, it's just such a wild mix, it would be really nice if our bodies just acted the same every time because it's like you're having to adjust to this new human and having to figure out how your body is dealing with this pregnancy is just really not helpful. Um, But I'm glad that she got the help that she needed and hopefully it's still um, continuing down a a smooth-ish path with three boys. I mean, my path has not always been smooth, but I wish the best for her. Yeah, it's a good point. I definitely have the story in my head that I'm a bad pregnant person. I think that it is strange to think about each of these experiences being the same since we know that nothing about those kids will be the same and mm-hmm. nothing about us is the same. I mean, I your life is changed by being pregnant, not just delivering a baby, but just I think the moment you find out there is someone sharing this space with me. It's all different, and you're made different mm-hmm. by every single aspect of the process. So uh, not, not only physically and with the demands that other little ones and, and work and life place on you, but it's just all contextual. So, of course, it's different every time. And you're right. It would be great for us to make that normal. I always think about something I heard Will Smith once say. I don't quote Will Smith a lot, but he I will never forget he was on Oprah And he was talking about when him and Jada had their first child, they were like, we just we mourned the pregnancy or the the marriage and relationship we had up until that point, because that one was over. And I think that's true for every baby. I think that's true for like job changes and moves. You know, I think some of the power of what we do here and commemorating these changes is every big change, especially adding a new baby. And I think you think once you get to like two, three, four, whatever, But every single addition, the other family is gone. The family of two is gone. The family of three is gone. The family of four is gone. And you have to mourn that and realize, like, it's just it's a new adventure in many of the sort of strategies you were applying or ways you were managing the relationships are just no longer applicable. And that's hard. And I think that's true of you know, the family that had a three and a seven-year-old is gone. And Mm. the family where someone 
strongly preferred their water without ice is gone when that changes and the family where the kid said strawberry instead of strawberry is gone you know it, it everything about being a parent is about being able to constantly adjust to things that you did not necessarily foresee or choose but that can bring you all kinds of joy torment delight you know and it just it just changes your household up. I feel like that's what the experience of parenting is going to be for at least as long as the kids live with us. And I can imagine that people who have adult children would say that it that it goes far beyond that, too. Well, thank you for joining us again this week as we commemorate those changes in all of our lives. And we will be back in your ears on Friday at Pantsuit Politics talking about the five things you need to know about election reform. And until then, keep it nuanced, y'all. Dylan Garvin produces The Nuance Life. Elise Knapp is our managing director. The Nuance Life is listener-supported. Go to patreon.com slash thenuancelife. For $5 each month, you'll receive an entire bonus episode of The Nuanced Life. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. Dylan Garvin is the composer and performer of our ad music. For more information about The Nuanced Life and to connect with us through our weekly email, visit pantsuitpoliticsshow.com.